0: quick to touch in Proverbs chapter 16 and uh, this is just uh, a kind of a just a standalone verse and then we'll we'll move into something else but uh, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 1 says the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord and what I want to talk about today is just um, our kind of preparation for things that maybe we expect, um, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. The preparations of the heart and man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Uh, let's open in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for the, the time here that you give us. I'm thankful for this day and just uh, for Sunday school here, for your word, that we can just spend a little time in it, Lord, and just uh, pray right now that you would put everything else aside in each one of our minds and our hearts and our lives. We've all got a lot going on. But, Lord, I just want to give this time just to be yours. And I pray that you just cast aside all flesh and uh, just, Lord, let your spirit just dwell here with us, Lord. I just pray that your presence would be in this place today, Lord. And just starting now and through all of the services, that we just let you be in control. That, Lord, we just would yield ourselves to your spirit and let your word work in us <clears throat> the way you want it to. <clears throat> Lord, the way, the way you uh, ha- uh, would like, Lord. So I just give it over to you now, and I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. All right, now let's go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, a very familiar chapter for David and Goliath, uh, but that's not really what I'm going to focus on here today. What I want to focus on today is how David was prepared to face Goliath. I'm not going to get into the part where he kills Goliath, but the part leading up to it, um, you know, a lot of uh, uh, (coughs) famous people or, you know, something like that will have a behind the scenes, you know, things that don't always get seen, you know, before they were stars or something like that about how they grew up and became who they were, you know, the president who grew up on a small farm and, you know fought his way through everything to become the president of the United States. <coughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's always interesting to, to kind of see the backstory in people's lives. And uh, I, I always enjoy those. But this is kind of going to be the before he became famous for David, you know, be, you know, behind the scenes for David to see where he was, how he got to where he could face that giant. And I think there's a lot to it that we can look at in our own lives. Um, and I'll just start by saying I just read a, a book that Pastor lent me about Amy Carmichael uh, who is a, a missionary to India and you know you look back at her life as a whole her ministry as a whole and you see these great things that she did uh, for the Lord in India but as I was reading the book I was thinking man this is, doesn't seem like she's doing great things, she's just going through one thing at a time and one thing at a time and one thing at a time and she struggled and she struggled and then when she did do something it was just a you know, just a real small thing, and then she'd move on and she'd do another real small thing. And, and it just really struck me that the Lord never designed us as Christians to just be great Christians. That's not how the Lord works in our lives. We go through things and we go through things. And, and, and what I guess what I want to focus on here today is if anybody is struggling with what's the Lord doing in my life? Why do I go to church every Sunday? Why do I keep reading his word Why am I going through these things? I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. I don't feel like the Lord's doing anything in me. The Lord has not designed our Christian walk to be instantly gratifying, instantly uh, amazing. You know, we're not meant to be famous, well-known Christians. That's not how the Lord works. So I want to start here today looking at at David. Uh, So let's start First uh, Samuel chapter 17, we'll start in verse 15. Well, actually, let's back up, we'll start at uh, verse uh, verse 12. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went out and followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next unto him, Abinadab, and the third, Shema. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went, verse 15, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So I'm just going to kind of go verse by verse here, and I've got a lot of lot of other scripture to kind of go along with it. But just let's just look at all of the things that David went through in these f- next few verses here to be prepared for the, to the battle with Goliath. Verse 15 there, he went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. That I'm, I'm looking at that and he, he I'm sure he had a desire we know from later on he had a desire to go into the battle but right now he was knew that his place was to do his father's business and that was just tending to the sheep. <clears throat> That's not a, a, a glorifying position at all but it's something that needs to be done. Somebody had to watch his father's sheep, and, and he was focused on doing that because he knew that's what he needed to be doing right then. Um, let's, I'll just You guys can follow with me if you want, or I can, I'll just read them, but Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. If you want to be a great Christian, do your father's b- business and do it diligently to start. That's where you've got to start. You've got to be diligent about your father's business. And, of course, uh, we'll look at Luke chapter 2, 49. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. It says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? That's Jesus Christ talking, of course. The best example we can have of anything is Jesus Christ himself. And so when when they were looking for him, and they, he's wondering, why didn't you just look for me here? You know I'm always doing my father's business. David's father knew that he could be trusted to tend to those sheep. And when the time came that if he needed to find him, that's where he would be because that's what, what he was supposed to be doing, diligently doing his father's business. And if you're wanting to be uh, do great things for the Lord, or if you're wanting to be used of the Lord at all, the first place you need to start is just doing your father's business diligently, no matter what it is. His place wasn't to be in battle at that particular moment. His place was to be watching his father's sheep, and he did it, and he did it diligently. And like Proverbs said, "You shall stand before kings; you shall not stand before mean men." And we can see here, of course, we know David went on, of course, to become king through his diligence. Moving on, we'll look at verse uh, 16 here, and the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And then verse 17 and 18 it says, and Jesse said unto David his son, he was able to go and talk to his son because he knew where he would be. He knew that he could be trusted to be where he was supposed to be. And Jesse said unto David his son, take now for thy brethren an epha of this parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Here he's doing again what seems to be a menial task. Running some food to his brothers. He's not being asked to go and join the battle. Not even anywhere close. He's being asked to go take some food to help support the the, the battle, the army, and his brothers, and to check in on them. Again, what seems like it may not be important. It may seem insignificant. It may not seem like there could possibly be a higher purpose what he's doing right there than just running some cheese and bread, and you know what we do in our daily lives for Christ, we may say, "How on earth could this ever be from a higher calling? How could this ever be lead me towards something great for the Lord?" Look what all I'm doing—it's—it's it's nothing. I want to do more, and I don't know if that's what David said, but maybe that's how we feel sometimes—is that we're, you know, I just we're we're just doing everyday things in this small church, and how could? What could the Lord possibly be seeing in this? But just like in the verse, verse 15, he did it anyway. And he obeyed nonetheless. Even if we get called to do something that we may think is insignificant, he obeyed. He did what he was told to do. Uh, I want to look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 in verse 10 says, we know this verse, of course, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much, so we can take this a step further and say not only if you are found faithful and diligent in the small things will you then be trusted eventually with more if we stay with the Lord and and, and do his will, but that the opposite is also true. If you want to do more for the Lord, but you think this isn't working out, this isn't what I signed on for, quote-unquote, and I'm not going to do these little small things, then you'll never accomplish anything for the Lord with that attitude. That's what it says right there. He that is least, he that, uh, <coughs> he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If, if it's true in the littlest thing, it's going to be true in the biggest thing. I like what, uh, I forget who it was during our, our, our uh, fall conference here, uh, said that if you wait until you're called to start preparing... It's going to be too late. You're not going to do, be able to do the Lord's work the right way. If you wait, Lord, I'm waiting for you to call me before I start doing something. And then when he finally calls you, it's going to, you're not going to be prepared. So those who are, who are seeking the Lord, who want to do something for the Lord, will be preparing themselves daily in the small things before they can be trusted and accomplish the great things in, in for the Lord. And that's what David did. He was watching the sheep. He was running errands, but he did it, and he did it diligently, and he obeyed faithfully. By doing so, the Lord can see that he can trust him in the, in the larger things. Verse 19, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So here we see that David has been obeying, like we've been talking about. He's been faithful in the small things. He's been asked to do something else that doesn't seem significant. But look what he does. Just because it's insignificant doesn't mean he did it hesitatingly or that he delayed or that he he slumped over there waiting, you know, well, here I go, delivering this food. La-di-da. He rose up early in the morning, and he left the sheep with the keeper. He didn't forsake the work that he had been told to do. He made sure that it was being taken care of before he went and did what else he was asked to do. We can't just, we can't just forsake what we're doing right now to go run and try to do something else for the Lord. We, you know, even if it's his calling, we still need to be responsible with what he's given us. And so he left it in the hands of a keeper, somebody who I'm sure he could trust, the work that he had been doing. He rose up early he, he left he, he took care of the business that he was doing and then he took and went as Jesse had commanded him and he came to the trench so he got up early he didn't delay he, just because it wasn't a, a meaningful thing or because it wasn't a huge thing he doesn't mean he, he he didn't do it as if he was called to do something important proverbs chapter 8 one of my, my one of my favorite chapters in Proverbs is chapter eight. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Just because it feels like reading your Bible every day isn't getting you anywhere, or just because it feels like your time in prayer isn't getting your prayers answered, or your time in church and coming to Sunday school to come early for Sunday school, or or whatever the case may be, just because it doesn't feel like it's doing anything doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't notice. Those that seek me, <clears throat> those that I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. You w- you will find the Lord if you stay diligent about his business and you take care of his business first and you do it right and you take care of that business early with a sense of urgency, just the same as if, you know, if, if he called you some great calling somewhere, you would rush towards it. But he's called us right now to do these small things first. Just like he's calling David in these things, he's preparing him. The Lord prepares us for the big things by sh- looking at our hearts and our attitudes and our, our, our willingness in the small things. So there is really, I mean, I guess the bottom line is there's really no such thing as a small thing for the Lord. It's all important to him. He doesn't see small or big. He doesn't see unimportant or important. He just sees the attitude. He sees how it's done. And then he sees people he can trust or that he can't trust. And then uh, verse 22, well, verse 21, for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. But then verse 22, it says, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army, and came and saluted his brethren. Again, once he got there, he ran. He didn't walk to his brothers. He didn't walk to do what he had been called to do. He left early in the morning, he got there as soon as he could, and as soon as he got out of his chariot, he ran to his brothers. Again, a sense of urgency in, in, quote-unquote, the small things. Verse 23, it says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. I like this, actually, I like this a lot. He was doing his father's business. He was there delivering the food that he had wanted, to, that he had been asked to deliver. He had done it with a sense of urgency. But he didn't let that work that he was doing right there block out everything else that was going on around him. Because what will happen is we'll be, we'll, if, if we... Just all we're doing is focused on the, the doing our daily thing, and we're focused, and we're focused, and we're focused so much on that that we block out what's going on around us. We might miss something else from the Lord. He could have been, all right, I'm here to deliver this cheese, and that's here what I'm going to do, this bread and this cheese. Here you go. I've done my job. Okay, good. Now, what's next, Lord? And during all that time, maybe the Lord would have been working around him to show him what else he needed to see, because that's actually exactly what he did. Verse The end of verse 23 there, and David heard them he's attentive to what's going on around him he's not too busy sometimes we get busy doing the lord's work that we 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 forget to hear see what the lord may have for us at any time and 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 you know it's good to be busy for the lord but we can't let our eyes get just zoned in on that when there might be something else that the lord's asking us to do uh, for him in while we're doing that other work it's, it's important to do that, that other work, but we also need to be attentive to what the Lord has for us during that time. I'm going to look at John chapter 8. <clears throat> John chapter 8 and verse 47. <clears throat> John eight forty-seven says, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there doing the Lord's work that are not of God. And it's, it's a sad but true fact of, of churches today. Um, that it's, There's a lot of busybodies out there that are just in it just to stay busy and get what they can out of it. And I mean, they, they might, I don't know, they might be saved, they might not, it doesn't matter. A lot of the fact is those of us that have a desire to do the work of the Lord, we're saved. We have the Lord dwelling in us and we have a desire to do his work and to do what he wants us to. We hear him. It says, he that is of God heareth God's words. No matter what you're doing, you need to keep your eyes and your ears attentive to what the Lord might have for you at any time. Even if you're busy doing dishes, vacuuming the church, taking up offering, whatever the case is, doing sound. You can't let can't let those things draw us away from the Lord, from the big picture that, Lord, I'm doing this work and I'm, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then being ready and attentive, David was doing his work, and he was in this battle, this camp. I imagine it was a lot going on, a lot going on around him, and he had responsibilities to deliver this food and to check in on his brothers, and he had to to take care of that business. But during all of that, he heard what was going on around him. (coughs) I'm going to skip down to verse 28. Verse 28 says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men... (coughs) Well, you know what? I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know what? I'll just keep reading at, at verse 24. We'll just keep, keep going. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, <clears throat> the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When David heard what was going on and heard the, the, the taunts, he wanted to do something about it. <coughs> the, the, when I was reading the Amy Carmichael story that, that I was telling you about, it seemed that no matter what she was doing, uh, whatever she ran up against, she wanted to keep doing something for the Lord. And David here sees that, hey, I'm here. I'm here in this. I'm not part of the battle, but I, I want to do something. What are we going to do about this? Suddenly he makes himself part of it. And that, you know, uh, even though you may feel like, you know, we've run into a wall or maybe the, the, the service that you've done for the Lord or wanted to do for the Lord, you feel like it's just, it's, 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 it's done. You know, maybe you feel like the Lord has closed that door, which he will do. It happened to Amy Carmichael tons of times. It happens throughout the Bible all the time that the Lord, you know, somebody goes to do something and he shuts the door, but then, you know, you you keep looking and you see what else is there. And so David sees here that, hey, something needs to be done. He's a man of action. And that's what the Lord's looking for is people who are willing to do something for him in the big things and the great things both, or the small things and the big things both. And verse 27, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. All the things that had been mentioned before. Verse 28, And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So we see here in, in verse 29, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And uh, of course, you know, uh, excellent verse. and um, Yeah, is there not a cause? But looking verse, back there at verse 28, his brother gets mad at him for, for trying to do something else for the Lord. And I mean, I'm sure it's it's happened and it will happen that you feel like the Lord's leading you to do something to do to you know, do something for him and you mention it to somebody and they say that's not going to work why would you want to do that you're not prepared for that you're not old enough for that you're not whatever you can't do this why are you being so prideful to think that the Lord would want you to do this all you're looking for is something for yourself it happens Christians are not helpful to each other unfortunately the way we ought to be how many times does it say that we're supposed to lift each other up and uphold each other? And instead, when somebody, I don't even know how often it happens anymore, probably because people have gotten shot down so much, but, you know, I mean, if somebody comes to a, a, a pastor or a, a brother in Christ and says, hey, you know, I'm, I've been, I'm in this situation and I feel like the Lord's really leading me to do this, and no, I don't think that's a good idea. No, the, you're too small for that. You're not prepared enough for that. You haven't done enough of this or... You know, well, you need to go do this first, or, you know, no, you can't take that on, whatever the case is. uh, You know, it's probably happened so much now that even if people do hear a calling from the Lord and they want to talk to somebody about it, maybe to get some advice or to know what to do next, they probably don't even do it, you know, half the time, because they know they'll just get shot down or laughed at or mocked or whatever. And that's a, that's, you know, I say that to the shame of Christianity as a whole and our churches. Today specifically, that we're not more uplifting and not more prayers put into the helping each other, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ of of lifting each other up, and it doesn't matter if I think it's a good idea or not. The Lord puts something on your heart, and you want to talk to me about it. Fine, that's it's not up to me what the Lord. That's between you and the Lord, and and it, we should be praying with that brother or sister. We should be, you know, doing everything we can to help them, as long as we feel that it's done in a prayerful attitude on their part, and, 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 you know, that we see that the Lord's working in them, they're faithful or whatever the case is, you know, that's, that's just to help them. Just even prayer in prayer to lift each other up encouragement. There's no harm in that. <clears throat> anyway, this, uh, his brother here, his reaction, you know, it, it happens. It happens throughout the Bible quite a bit. Let's look at Nehemiah. (coughs) We all know the struggles Nehemiah faced. uh, (coughs) But just a couple of, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry, I've got this little bit of a cold. (coughs) Nehemiah chapter two to start. Nehemiah chapter two, verse 19. So we know the work that Nehemiah is doing here about wanting to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and, 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 and do the work that he feels the Lord called him to do. verse 19 but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said what is this thing that ye do will ye rebel against the king he had already gotten the king's permission to go and do this work and then these men are sitting there telling him you're rebelling just like David's uh, brother told him it's just the pride of your heart you're just seeking glory Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem here are just saying, you're just wanting to rebel against the king, even though he'd already gotten his permission. When we do a work for the Lord, obviously, if, if we feel his calling and hear that, we've gotten his permission to do it. He wants us to do it. But so, so often people say, oh, you're just, you know, you're going against the will of God by wanting to do this. When, you know, if we feel that the Lord is leading us and we've Submitted to him and and our lives to him, and that's what he's wanting us to do. We've gotten not only his permission, but we've gotten, we know that the Lord wants us to do something for him. Let's look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 also. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says, Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen in Gashmu saith it that thou and the Jews think to rebel for which cause thou buildest the wall that thou mayest be their king according to these words again he's trying to sound like he has an ulterior motive in doing the Lord's work and I, I think that probably happens a lot I don't, I don't know it for sure but when somebody has a desire to do something for the Lord people are probably just looking and saying he just wants to be a leader he just wants to be in front of people he just wants to you know whatever the case may be He doesn't want to do it for the Lord. She doesn't want to do it for the Lord. They just want to look good in front of people. They just want a pat on the back for something. That's all they want. That's probably because the Lord's not working in their own lives, Uh, probably because that's the very thing they would do if he tried. A lot of times what people claim to see in others is what's really truly, I think that's a psychological thing, you know, psychologists will, what you see in somebody else is what's really in you, and that's probably one thing that's probably true about psychology, if you look around enough, is that when people make claims about somebody else, it's probably themselves that they're seeing, so, um but anyway, uh, moving on there to verse 29, and David said, what have I now done, is there not a cause, and I just, there's always a cause for the Lord, the Lord always has something that he wants us to accomplish, there's always a cause, there's always a greater cause than ourselves, than our church, it's always something more that the Lord has, and if we'll just let him work in us through it. And, uh, you know, we, again, we don't, we don't have to turn there, but I just think of Esther uh, chapter 4, where uh, he says, for such a time as this. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I, I love that I love that saying. For such a time as this, it seems like the times when there's the biggest struggle, the time when there's the biggest giant standing in front of us, and there's the seems like there's the least amount of people willing to do anything about it. That's when the Lord will call us and say, "There's a cause." And they'll say, "I've brought you here, and I've prepared you for this." For such a time as this. This is why you're here. Maybe we're thinking we're supposed to be looking long distance. And the Lord wants us to stop and just say, this is why you're here. Right here, right now. For such a time as this. Whatever's going on, nobody else is answering the call. Everybody's standing around wondering, what are we going to do about this giant? What are we going to do? There's tons of riches for it, for us. you know, if, if we'll do it, if we get it accomplished, the king will do all this stuff for us. But I don't know what we're going to do. Lord's looking for somebody to say, is there not a cause? Here and now, not long distance, not long term, not a missionary to India. Right here, right now, is where the Lord wants somebody to do a work for him. If we're willing to just stop and forget everything else and just listen to the Lord and say, this is why you're here. This is what I want you to do. And we'll see that a little bit more here as we, as, we, as we move on. Verse 30 and 31, and I don't have a watch, but I'm going to run out of time, so I'll try to finish this off. <clears throat> Verse 30 and 31, And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. So David keeps talking, and people keep saying the same thing. You know, it's like you, you keep trying to get something done, and all people keep telling you is exactly what they've always been telling you, and you're getting frustrated. You're saying, no, I'm looking for... I'm looking for some answers here. I'm looking for something else, and all they keep saying is the same thing. Verse 31. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. If you need to talk about what the Lord wants you to do, what's calling you to do, and somebody shuts you down, keep talking, keep going. Don't stop because just the first person shuts you down. David kept talking. People kept saying the same thing, but eventually it reached the word, the ear of the king. And then the king took some action and set David up for everything that proceeded after that, the slaying of the giant. So David kept talking. He just didn't just stop with his brother and say, well, big brother shut it down. I guess i will just go home. David knew there was a reason for him to be there. David knew there was something that needed to be accomplished. And he kept talking. Okay, big brother shut me down. You, what are we going to do here? You're not, you don't know. Okay, you, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he probably became such a nuisance that the ki- that people went to the king and said, look, this little guy... David, he wants to do something, and he won't shut up about it. Maybe sometimes that's what it takes, you know? But then the king was like, well, hey, if he's not going to shut up about it, bring him here, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And that's what the Lord wanted him to be doing at that time. I w- I've got more, but I'll stop here. I'll wrap it up. Um, we at no point in our Christian life should we be, The Lord never called us to be that great Christian. We should never be able to say in our lives, finally, I'm the great Christian the Lord called me to be. Finally, I'm the great warrior for Christ that I'm meant to be. That's not how it works. And we'll get to a point at the end of our lives and and we may feel like we have done nothing. And we may feel like, just, Lord, why did I, I feel like this life was not done enough for you? And then, you know, maybe we'll get to heaven and we'll see all the things that we've accomplished. And I think, there it won't matter. (laughs) It won't matter up there. Why should it matter here? Because we'll go to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. And it doesn't matter how many we cast, we'll wish we had more. Everything we've done, the greatest people on the planet, Paul, Billy Graham, whoever, you name it, that have gone to heaven and cast their crowns at Jesus' feet, I'm sure have said, I'm sorry, Lord, this is all I have. I wish I could have done more. And they'll look at that crown of thorns and say, everything pales in comparison to that. So I guess the bottom line I'm getting at here, I wish I could have kept going, but we're not here to compare how great anything we do compares to another. We're not here to be the one that accomplishes great things. It's the small things that build the, the big house. It's the, the small bricks piece by piece by piece that if finally when the uh, goal gets accomplished, you can say, now that is a nice house. If all you're looking at is just the bricks, you're saying, this isn't a house, this is a brick, I want a mansion. And we do it time and time again, letting the Lord lead us, and eventually, you know, we'll do what the Lord wants us to, but we can't stop and look at ourselves and say, I'm a great Christian. That's, that's not what the Lord wants, he just wants us to be faithful in the small things.